Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. One second, please. Please, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, oh. I don't want to go. Don't show me in the outer space. Oh, please. please, Mr. Kennedy. Oh, oh. I don't want to go. Don't show me in the outer space. I sweat when they stuff me in the pressure suits. Rubble, helmet, dashboard, and boots. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan, and my uh, two compatriots on this mission, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. And Bill Graham. Woo! And today we will be talking about First Man, the movie about Neil Armstrong, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, who has previously given us Whiplash and La La Land. So... He did another musical in there too. Uh, it was the black and white one. Yeah, it's his first one that the no one remembers. Bench. Sitting on a park yeah. bench, or yeah, two two fucking assholes on a park bench, or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's going to be our sole review today. Um, we might have another review coming at you later this week. We might have two other reviews coming at you later this week, actually. So be excited for that. Before we get into our review of First Man, though, of course, the usual housekeeping stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Facebook, search for The Film Stage Show. Give us an email, podcast at filmstage.com with your long-form thoughts. And, of course, you can find us on iTunes where you can give us a comment and rating to help other people find this show. Also, you can become a patron of ours by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow and giving as little as $1 an episode, which allows us to go and see these movies, produce this podcast, and do a bunch of other great stuff. And, again, that is patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. When you become a patron, you're able to talk to us via our super cool Slack channel, where the conversation never stops and the passions always run high. I think that's the most polite way to say it. We're also brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where their talented, beautiful, wonderful curators find the best films available for you to watch. And every day they add a new one to their platform. And you have 30 days to watch. So you have a 30 film rotating selection from which to choose from. It is, of course, October, so they've got some horror films coming up. Uh, we talked about Pontypool, which I actually am sort of planning on watching here tonight or tomorrow, and I look forward to being able to report on how that goes. They also have, because of their uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto film that they put out in theaters, a special concert film. Ryuchi Sakamoto, Async at the Park Avenue Armory. So if you'd really like a special treat and get to see this rare concert immersion experience, go to mubi.com slash filmstage and you will get a free 30-day trial of Mubi on us. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. And I believe that that is all. The countdown is over, and now we can get ready to launch into our main review. Space puns will abound. Uh, 
gentlemen, are we ready to talk about First Man? Woo! Yep. Okay, great. I was trying to think of a space fun and couldn't think of one. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Ignition, blast off, you know, 10-4 even I would have accepted. Anyway, here's the trailer. on the moon that'd be something we've chosen a job so difficult requiring so many technological developments we're gonna have to start from scratch only after we master these tasks do we consider trying to land on the moon All right, that is the trailer for First Man, the newest film from multi-time Oscar-nominated director Damien Chazelle. Did he win? Did he win? Did he win director? I believe so, yes. It was for La La Land, right? Yeah, uh, La La Land won Best Picture. He won Best Director. Wait, no, La La Although, Land did not win Best Picture. No, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Bill Graham working for Price Waterhouse <laughs> Coopers right now. <laughs> Jesus. And look, I'm I'm only reading the card that's handed to me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he won Best Achievement in Direction for La La Land. He was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which is a goddamn travesty that we will not relitigate and he was nominated for best writing adapted screenplay for whiplash so this movie stars ryan reynolds all the white guys kyle i was about to say kyle chandler you said ryan reynolds oh did i shit ryan gosling (laughs) i mean it could be i wish it was ryan reynolds now that i've said it anyway it stars ryan gosling claire foy kyle chandler jason clark siren hines uh, this is this is one for all you uh, Orange is the New Black fans. Pablo Schreiber. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you're a fan of Almost Famous and have been wondering where Patrick Fugit is, he's not just walking around with a monkey and we bought a zoo. He's also in this movie. If you're wondering what the pin from Brick has been up to, Lucas Haas is here as well. And of course, if you're a fan of the show, then you're a fan of this man. We have Shea Wiggum. Yeah. There was someone who clapped when he appeared on screen. Good. <laughs> in my theater. <laughs> I hope they're a listener. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is the uh, story of Neil Armstrong. I don't know if it technically counts as a biopic because it doesn't go into his whole life story, but definitely the primary arc of him joining the space program and then becoming, spoiler alert, the first man to walk on the moon. So holy shit, we did it, guys. We did it. We did it. <laughs> USA. USA. I'm All right. I'm um, this call right now. <laughs> <laughs> we uh yeah, we should talk about this. First, I want to talk about Damien Chazelle. Um I can't think of the last time that a director has so quickly sort of become a centerpiece of his own films and uh, a point of contention amongst people. So let's uh, 
let's go through what we thought of his previous films, the big ones. Let's not talk about his student film that got a minor theatrical release. I I am um, not tipping your hand at all there, Brian. <laughs> well, no, because okay, I got I got a fucking argument with some guy on Twitter because someone asked like, is Damien Chazelle going to be the first person whose first three movies were all nominated for like Academy Awards and um or was like nominated for direction or something like that and i was just like uh no he won't be because his first film wasn't nominated for anything and someone was like that doesn't count it was a short student film and i'm like it 100 counts it got a release and no one who knew anything called whiplash's debut and he was like well it wasn't long enough to be a movie and i was like asshole it's almost an hour and a half long that definitely counts anyway so that's just me being like a stickler for you know st- definitions so anyway um real brief on that point um if you made a movie and it got a minor theatrical release and someone said that 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 means that you didn't actually release how a movie, would you feel about it yeah you would be so mad absolutely so, this is yeah. it's like the people who think that like the sixth sense is m night Shyamalan's first film it's like no Praying with anger and wider wake exist. Like, don't yeah, be an asshole. It's, it's it's just when people's popular kind of consciousness is awoken to a right. certain creator. You want to call and, it and, his breakout? And, That's fine. Yeah. Whiplash was his breakout film. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, I loved Whiplash at the time. Yeah. Thought it was great. Really looked forward to the what came next. Was actually kind of excited for La La Land. Saw it, hated it. And I think that I've just like been furious on some level ever since um so that's my take on his last two films michael snydell what about yourself uh yeah i I saw whiplash at a a festival and thought it was a a good movie but uh, nothing that seemed to be as galvanizing as it seemed when it first came out um and then la la land i I was extremely excited for i've talked at length about my love for, for musicals on this podcast. And um, I felt it was a, a huge betrayal of a musical and a pretty bad romance to boot. So I really didn't like that one. And I have to say, like, around the time that I watched La La Land, I also rewatched Whiplash and didn't have a very good time with it and found it, it to be kind of an obnoxious exercise. Um, so he's someone who I've absolutely soured on uh and then guy and madeline is is really really annoying and i don't think i finished it so i don't have a full (laughs) opinion on it all right bill graham yeah much like i guess most of film twitter and most of kind of the film community at large i guess um i i absolutely fell in love with whiplash um i really dug it and I thought it had a lot of propulsive energy. I loved the way it was shot, the way it was filmed. Um, and I was pretty excited to see La La Land. I'm not really a musical person, but I was willing to give it that shot. Um, it had great, great actors in it. It had a promising kind of, you know, hey, let's let's do this for real. And um the design of of the musical numbers and stuff like that were supposed to be really interesting. And then I saw it and I felt it fell really flat. And so I just was not very impressed with it. Um, it had some technical achievements and things like that, but 
I I thought it was it was highly highly overrated at the time, and I'm still pretty determined about that. Um, so yeah, I I don't I don't know what the hell I was expecting with this film, um, and it's it's really wild that this guy has made so many films so quickly. Um, you know, the fact that Lava Lamb was nominated last year. And here he is again with another film that's supposed to, you know, do fairly well at the Oscars. And, you know, here it is again, you know, and Ryan Gosling is the star. And I guess he's found his muse. I don't know. Ryan Gosling seems to like fall in and out with directors for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on with with him and directors. But the other thing is, is like. I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen Refn make a film since, and I haven't it's got seen... a TV show next year. Wait, oh. Refn made Neon Demon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then what? What, what has uh, Place Beyond the Binds guy done? He did uh, uh, Like Between Oceans. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, was that so, last year? Just. I'm I sorry. I'm just think curious. That it was. <laughs> that's that's a very okay. I um I can't remember. I remember being super excited for that movie, and then I just never saw it. According to IMDb, <laughs> it came out to September 2016. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Bill. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I guess Ryan has has some love affairs with uh with directors, and then and then goes off and finds new new white guys to uh to propulse into the uh, stratosphere or something. I don't know. Let's let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I am um, really organic uh, transition. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, you know, whatever. Let's just go. You know. So, um, I don't know. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just talk about this movie. So, Michael Snydell, I would love for you to tell us your uh, basic, general, nutshell thoughts on First Man. Here's a question. Are there spoilers in this movie? Yes. Do, okay. All right. I'll just take that word and then we'll just have a spoiler section. Yeah. Is there one that happens five minutes in? What? Oh, it's his Jesus. goddamn life. I don't know. This is the I, thing no, I have not, a problem I'm with. I'm not Jesus, Brian. I think that there is a thing that he does on the moon that could technically oh, be a spoiler, but like that's it for me. Well, and that's also creative license as well. Um, I uh, I would say that there is something that happens in the middle of this film that I think is is a spoiler, not historic. Obviously, you know, you can get into that argument and be like, well, if you read history and it's like, well, I don't think this movie's made for people necessarily that read history because this is obviously shooting for a bigger audience. Um, because if the only people that saw this movie were the ones that read the or you know really dove in to the apollo missions uh it would have a very small theatrical release right so um i think there's something that happens in the middle of this film that i would consider kind of a a minor spoiler but i i mean it's not significant enough that we're probably going to touch on it in the course of just discussing this film period so i don't know we can move forward all right so michael nutshell thoughts 
Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of loved this. Um, Whoa! What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, I think, oh, it's going to be an episode. It is on, baby. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, so, yeah, I I like this the most when it's at most obtuse. Uh, I, I think that um, at its best, this has something really interesting to say about um, our experience of what, what we – the human knowledge that we know and um, – this the certainty with which uh you know what we look at something like space travel and then how that fails us and i think when this movie makes it purely about that sensation and makes these actors less characters than literally like symbols of humanity i think this movie works really well i think that does clash at the same time with josh singer's um script at times when it does try to uh, go to the home front and make this uh, make some of these emotional things more than uh, metaphor, um, I, I think as well. I think that uh, Damien Chazelle, I, I find the conversations about nationalism and the ways we're talking about this film as uh, propaganda really, really interesting, and I feel like they kind of fail to grapple with this film with as dark and almost um, almost atheistic as it is with, with the way with the ways that like when you think even about the ways that this movie portrays NASA it, it's not about this hoorah patriotism at all it, it's about these these often men who pretend like they know what they're doing and then, you know, try that. Like at a certain point, you almost expect them to, you know, put Ryan Gosling in a trebuchet trying to get him to the moon. Like there's a certain sense of, of constant um, hubris and folly to what they're doing. And I found that really spiritually satisfying. Uh, the Claire Foy stuff, I think, works way, way less well. Um, and I, I think the other thing that I want to mention briefly is, you know, I, I think when we talk a lot about space movies, we talk a lot about not only the attitude towards space travel, but how that is presented. And, and you know, we've seen everything from very glossy presentations to, um, Stories that are specifically like you look at something like Apollo 13, where they everything seems great until they get into space and then shit goes wrong. And it doesn't feel like they're like there's a ramshackle and very like um, abrasive quality to this film, to the space sequences, to when they're trying to move forward, to the way that time moves. All of this is presented in such like a matter of fact, pragmatic, like almost terrifying way in the sense that some of the spaceships they're getting into look like they, you know, they have the, uh, the malleability of, of styrofoam. Um, and, when it came down to all of that, it, this just ended up being a really weirdly moving experience for me. Um, I, I want to say, just so it's not clear, like I, I don't 
think this is an A movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's, you know, more around like a B for me. But uh, obviously you can tell it's a little higher than some other things that I talk about. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I, I think it's going to be really weird that this is going to be in Oscar talks because there's not really any traditional performances in here. There's not traditional characters. Uh, what I find it, again, far more interesting in this very detached way. Uh, and it's it's something that I think has been part of Chazelle's and, and you know, Linus Sengren's uh, aesthetic since the beginning. And it really did them wrong with La La Land. Uh, those characters were just not interesting and you didn't feel like the camera was interested in anything other than spectacle. Um, and I think that detached, uh, like almost primitive humanism really works for the most part here. So, yeah. Okay. Bill Graham. What are your thoughts on First Man? First, I do want it uh, some some brief back background. Uh, we did have to drag Michael to this film, so the fact that he enjoyed it. Oh, I that's know. true. <laughs> Michael was like, "We can skip it. It's fine." I'm yeah. eating crow. I know. Yeah. We were just going to do no, bad times at the El Royale this weekend, and then Michael was all like, "Oh, we we can do First Man, I guess, and I won't get to see El Royale." So, yeah. I want to say I. I put it to her Slack channel and mm -hmm. there were a few people who expressed sadness that we wouldn't cover it. Yep. So, so we and added and it. you guys and yeah. you guys wanted to do it as well. Don't, I didn't yeah, want don't to do it. Like, I felt that we were obligated to do it and I will get to my thoughts. Bill Graham. <laughs> um, I I'm kind of in the middle here, I guess, uh, probably between the two, two of y'all. Um, I enjoyed the technical aspects of this film so much. I really appreciated what what Michael was pointing out is kind of the ramshackle quality. Um, I've I've driven some vehicles that are completely different in how they absorb um, uh, the road and things like that, and I can tell the difference between something that you feel confident when you drive that is going to take a bump versus something that you're just like, you know, I I just don't know, I just don't know, and that's what these these space vehicles seem to have going for them or not going for them is they are rigid as hell, and you can just. You can just feel wings. You can feel the vibration through the cockpit. You can feel things just wanting to splinter and break apart. And it's it's incredibly scary to think that people literally took these vehicles up into space and traveled with them. It's it's absolutely wild. And I think this film really nails that. Um I haven't really experienced a film that really kind of delves into that kind of sensation. Interstellar does it a little bit, but that's because they're pushing the limits of just travel in general. Um, not so much they're just pushing the limits of, of just engineering and everything like that. Um, I hope that makes sense. Anyways, I thought that this film really briefly i think this film is weird it's almost a how do i take a a somewhat uninteresting s character that most people have heard of 
and make him the center of my film instead of someone like maybe Buzz Aldrin or uh, just numerous other people that this film puts forth that probably would hold the screen, probably would hold your interest more. And the fact that they managed to center this film around that character and still make it entertaining and still make it, you know, move relatively swiftly through its its two plus hour runtime is pretty impressive. Does it entirely work? I think if you're down on Gosling's performances lately and think that he just doesn't play a character at all, doesn't have emotion, I think that's kind of the purpose of him in this role in some ways. And so I think it kind of, he nails it obviously. Um, but if you're looking to kind of turn the page on, on Gosling, I don't think this is going to be that film for you. Uh, I was entertained. I, I have some issues with kind of the liberties it took and some, some other small issues, but for the most part, I was, I was highly entertained by the film and yeah, I hated almost every minute of watching this to the point that I thought of walking out at some point. <laughs> I, um, I had better shit to do with my day and I really actually didn't have anything else to do with my day, but the potential energy that I could have put into doing something else seemed more valuable to me than following this movie through to its conclusion. Um, I found the cinematography and camera work to be distracting at best and just like annoying at worst. Um, the performances are either, oh, look, there's Jason Clark. Oh, look, there's Corey Stoll. Or they are, what is Ryan Gosling doing right now? Why am I still not sold on Claire Foy as an actress to watch? Um, curious about her hair uh if that was an actual haircut or the world's craziest wig um not sure probably won't find out um and then just it's just such a disjointed series of moments that add up to nothing and this all leading to this execrable moment of pompacity and like uh, this like symbolic meaning that the movie has done little to nothing to actually cement as being like a, a, a theme it was going for or like a point. And I just like, you know, it, it's like, I know that they're kind of going for like a shambling kind of loose, you know, just travelogue through this decade long journey to put Neil on the moon. But like, when you have him like romping around the house, playing with his children in this a way similar to the mother in the tree of life and with cinematography and camera work that appears to be trying to approximate that movie. And then like two scenes later, you have his wife screaming at him because he's like a disaffected non attached father who like needs to speak to his children. It's just like, Okay, well, like, did we lose two years somewhere? Like, why don't you show me the arc instead of just, like, hoping that I'll find some sense of, like, 
loss or meaning or uncertainty in this. Like, uh, uh, it's and it's just it's just annoying. Like, one of the things I loved most about Dunkirk was when Tom Hardy would bank his Spitfire. You could hear the windshield rattling and all the things moving. But this movie takes that and like cranks it up to eleven, like to try to like really make you feel it. And it just becomes weird because it's like, I don't know that it's necessary to do it that hard. And like to to really like the, the three different times it focused on like a rivet to just be like, check it out. Like this thing was just put together like with rivets, like with human hands. Like, can you believe this? It's like, yes, I can believe it. I know it happened. I love space travel. I find NASA to be one of our most necessary institutions I, my father works for NASA, like the, the things that NASA has given to us and the things that space travel has given to us are like innumerable and invaluable. And I just found this movie to be such a, like a pain in the ass to sit through, like just a real annoying, like needlessly stark hectoring look at like a a national hero and like you know trying to do that like oh we're gonna strip him down and find the human underneath but the way they did that was by like doing nothing and and doing like a tragic backstory and like hinting at it now and then and giving us little insights but then also trying to like track this other thing and like give us the wife who's staying at home but like she gets very little to do and so she's a drag on everything and the entire arc of the movie brings you up to like the point that you know is coming which is like very well done on a technical level but at that point like i just didn't give a shit like if you're not gonna make me care about this person if you're not gonna make me care about the mission and what it meant to society at large or even like do more than a over-the-shoulder glance at the conflict of society as whether or not all of that money was worth it why am I going to care like the 20 minutes that they finally spend on the goddamn moon? It's, it's just, it was so hard to sit through. I'm just like so disappointed. And like I walked in and I, I told myself like, this is kind of a make or break movie for me, like with Damien Chazelle. Cause if you can't make the journey to the nearest celestial body, interesting, what are we doing here? And like, I found the trailers to be fairly effective, you know, like the way that Neil talks to his children with like more articulateness, but like more politic than he even speaks at the press conference is like super interesting to me. But again, the movie just did so little to actually like drive that home and make it seem like that's who he was or maybe that's not who he was and maybe he was just doing that to hide his own fear but it's very hard to know for sure because the movie can't decide whether or not he is constantly a cold you know calculating driven individual or if he is a loving caring father who is driven to that every now and then because there's no rhythm there's no pattern there's no nothing i leave this movie knowing no more than i did when i entered it on either a historical or character level. And it doesn't even give me like a greater appreciation for what happened. So like, what's its point? What's the reason? Like, why did I sit through this movie? Hmm. Some of the music was good. (laughs) The music is pretty good. 
Um, I enjoyed that. Music aspect. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it, it, it is interesting because towards the end of this film, I thought they were about to yada yada the entire Apollo mission. And they kind of do compared to the amount of time and energy and effort they spend on getting there all the various other missions to try and figure out you know their their approach is going to even work and and do all these testings and things like that and before you know it well not before you know it two hours later um you're at the apollo mission you you kind of like look down at your clock and you're like really this this is all the time that you're going to give to to this aspect of the film um, I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, not in a good way, but I, I think they they pull it off fairly well. One thing that's interesting is I think how much of this budget was given to Chazelle to make a film like this simply based on him being like, look, I'm not going to make a lot of uh cgi i'm not going to utilize a lot of other things i'm going to do a lot of close cabin claustrophobic in cockpit style like sequences where really it's it's you inside of a fucking cardboard box with like cutouts and someone on the outside like making sound effects and like rattling it basically you know um this film doesn't do a whole lot of like spectacle for spectacle's sake until that a final apollo mission and very little romance yeah there there really is i mean it's it's pretty wild and you can just look at this film and just say yeah if they don't do the apollo mission probably this entire film costs 30 million dollars you know, it's just it's fucking wild that they made a space movie and not even really showing that aspect of it, I thought. So I thought that was pretty wild. Um, his his character, I think, is weird because, yeah, uh, no, no spoilers. It, it, something happens within the f- first five minutes. His daughter, poor daughter, dies. And you're right that he is shown to have so much emotion for his daughter, so much care and joy in raising her and having fun. And we don't really see that as he moves through the rest of the story. And I'm not sure if that's, if that's necessarily true to life, I'm not sure if that's just simply him trying to move past the loss of his daughter. And so he's not going to get close to his sons, he, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I don't know. There's there's something going on there. I think more than you're giving it credit for. But his at time the same with his time, daughter is so brief, though, that like when they go for flashbacks, it's like literally him playing with her hair. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's the one note of tenderness that they really got. Because I guess they didn't want to, like, really lean too hard on him singing I See the Moon and the Moon Scenes Me to her. But, like, there's, like, no time with her. Like, there's no... So, like... And when we do see him, he's, like, sitting in the back room, like, trying to... 
you know, save her from this brain tumor that she's got. So he's writing his books down and everything. And so he's still attacking it like an engineer. And so like, there's no appreciable, discernible shift in his personality that happens. So like we're led to believe through like minor hallucinations and like one moment of talking to someone else that like his daughter's death had an effect on him. But like, we get nothing to support that in terms of how he is acting or anything else. And this is a movie that clearly is fine with exploring interiority through breaking like what we would call objective reality. And yet it chooses to do so so sparingly and so lightly that it it it, it sometimes fails to register as a character trait. And then, like I said, like, you know, if that's true, then why do we sometimes see him being totally great with the kids and then sometimes like really not great? It's like, like it's there. there is a part of me that wants to be like, well, that just shows like how hard it is. Like he has his good days and his bad days, but it's so not a consistent narrative theme of the movie that the movie is interested in exploring as far as like triggers or as far as like his struggle with it or even like his lack of his knowledge of his struggle with it that it just comes off more like i don't know in this scene he'll be good and then the next one he won't because like you know we need to we need to change it up needs to need to do something yeah i think i think i would like to see more of at least maybe initially a one-to-one kind of thing but but again that kind of goes back to you you want to show not tell and but at the detriment that you're kind of responding to in that it feels like it's an inconsistent character that like sometimes he's really good with the children and sometimes he's just completely in his own head and i think that may be just you know his own kind of character traits playing out onto the screenplay and maybe that's also part of just compressing a, from what I understand, a 700-page uh, kind of official biography of Armstrong that is compressed into this two-hour and 15-ish m- minute movie. You know, it's it's like it's got to get through a lot of stuff. And I guess maybe some of that stuff was on the chopping room floor. Um I don't know. You know, I had heard. I think it, it was pretty well uh, reported about like La La Land's first cut was like three and a half hours or something like that. Um, and so, to make room I, for the story that we all cared about, they cut out every song. <laughs> um, and I hadn't. I I never really heard what this film like if it had an excessive original. You know, first first cut or not or if you know really the screenplay by mr singer was just so tight that there wasn't a lot of fat left to cut mike what do you think about all this i I think that uh, my uh, my view of this uh, this film won't uh, won't um mitigate uh, both your problems with the gosling character i i think that there is a pattern. I think there's a rhythm from literally the first scene in this film, but but it's less about who that person is as a character rather than, again, as a metaphor for humanity and how we continue to 
uh, try and fail. And, and while that cycle may sound repetitive as I'm describing it, that was enough to carry me through the film. I mean, when we're talking about the the details with his daughter, um, yeah, I, I don't really like those. And I, I again, I don't think that the more detached stuff uh, fits very well with the home front stuff. But I still found, uh, I, I guess I wasn't thinking very often about about how he handles his kids because this film's use of time is strange in itself. So like, I, I, I think there is like a, a certain, um, also, do the I, kids I, I, ever go to school? Not, <laughs> not that we see, I guess. I don't know. Do they get older? <laughs> they seem to get older, but I'm I, like, they're, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just expecting them to come back and like ask him for math homework help, and him be like, "Well, let me, let me crack my knuckles and like sit down and like help you out here," you know? Um, no, go, go ahead, Mike. That was, that was, that was. No, you're fine. You're fine. I, yeah, I, I again, I guess I saw a, a cynicism in here that was so overreaching that you know any of that sentimentality of that daughter scene was kind of pretty minimal to me and i think that the blankness of of gosling is was mostly used uh in the right way here for me i I didn't mind i'm curious michael i I want you to expand upon your thoughts on the cynicism of this film (laughs) i'm sure i'm very worried for you that this is going to be another ready player one situation no. Okay. No, it's not. Ready right. player. I I don't know what that means. When but. you were like, I think this movie was meant to be bad? No, not at all. I okay. don't think this was meant to be bad. I actually think this movie's very good. Um, no, but you were saying I, like the interesting read on this movie would be if like Spielberg like was intentionally making a movie to show us how shitty all this is. And now I'm like, I, do, I don't see cynicism anywhere in this movie. And so I'd really like you to like go into that and like maybe. Well, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think any part of this movie is romantic about space travel. I think that the ways that it portrays authorities like NASA, the way that it portrays astronauts and, again, the pendulum going back and forth between being like, I know that this next uh, expedition will get us to the moon and then something horrific happening. And that back and forth and that ultimate uh, – pragmatism about what humanity knows and doesn't know that's something i think is in it from the first frame to the end of the movie and that was again um um, that's what i ultimately took from this movie i I don't think i I think it's doing it a disservice to talk about it as a, a biopic and i know that's what's going to happen but um isn't, I think that's the least interesting way to talk about this. Movie. Isn't that, however, what the movie puts most of its energy and time into? No, because again, I think it's, I mean, it, I'm trying to stay away from tree of life comparisons. Cause I think it's, it's too easy with some of the facetious uh, descriptions we can come up with. But I do think 
there is again like a detached avatar quality to the characters in this movie where i don't think they're meant to be seen as people i think again that josh singer's script like gives them a lot to do but very few characters have like big dialogue moments in this like things History just moves. Uh, You know, you see sequences just happen and people react and then they try again and they react. And like, that's, that's what I found really interesting in this. Like, I I think that some of the, some of the more, again, I think some of the more emotional moments that do feel more traditional are really pokey, like Claire Foy's American accent, for instance, which between this and Unsane, another movie I like quite a bit, uh, her American accent is not great. Not dialed <laughs> in yet. <laughs> no, not at all. But but that is what what I saw again. Like I wasn't thinking about this as traditional characters. And I wasn't thinking of him, him as a traditional dad. I was thinking of him again, as a, a, a person who is just raging against the universe. And I, that was enough for me, I guess. I, I, I ask I again, though, the space. do you think that, that that's the movie's intention for itself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it's can't agree with that at all. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just, for the movie, well, for the movie to spend so much time on Claire Foy, on the kids, to end in the way it does, to begin in the way it does, and for you to then say that, like, none of that stuff is supposed to matter. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I said it is meant to stand in for something larger and not be like an intimate character that we know it's supposed to stand in for that is an astronaut's wife. This is a, a, this is a archetype that we know and something we see over and over. Like they're literally in a neighborhood with other astronauts, excuse me, other astronauts and wives who go through this. Like, I think that there's very clearly an interest in, cycles and in how insane it is that we want to travel to space like other than really the last time where they get to the fucking moon spoiler alert this movie this movie is like uh, it, it doesn't believe in any of its characters and that's what i find incredibly interesting about it and what what makes it not another bullshit space movie to me that's like hoorah like like even something like the martian which i liked i think completely failed on that front i don't know what how how do you mean it doesn't believe in its characters it's literally basically thesis is like only neil armstrong could have done this no it's Uh -uh, no it does it's oh my god 100 percent. he fixes every problem that happens Uh, and they're like hold on he fixes okay. every problem that happens. They make he a point of like his his bullheadedness is what gets them there. He literally is the like he takes them to like the last percentage point of fuel to get there. And it's like the That's entire movie well is just like nothing but Neil Armstrong proving 
how capable and how like good he is and maybe it's because he's damaged because of the loss of his daughter or maybe because of some innate human coldness that like his daughter could have thought but didn't because she passed away and nearly cemented it more but like this movie is nothing but an argument that like however damaged and however cold and shut off he was that's what was needed to do this no not not at all 100 percent well, okay. Well, oh, all right. I mean, can we actually? Y'all can, y'all can actually like keep yelling at each other that each other are wrong, or you can actually listen, Brian. So, I mean, you got a choice here. But I, I, I just like I, I, ha- I listened to to Michael's statement, okay, and like, but I then, needed then to tell him, him why. Say, I think that he's wrong. He's wrong. That's that's not fair, Brian. This is supposed to be a conversation. It's not supposed to be you just sitting here and listening to half of a sentence and saying no, one hundred percent wrong. But I can't. I I need to address that half of a sentence and and like try to work my way through it before I can even hear the second half because it's so it's so outside of what this what my understanding of what this movie is trying to do that I. Like that has to be resolved before we can move on. Like it's just it's too it's too much of a leap for me to make to just accept that and then see where it goes. Then then let me put it this way: if you're trying to no, have a conversation, Bill, let him let him go, please. Oh no, I was I was done, and I was actually hoping that Mike would now just say the next part because, like, I don't know, like I, it's it, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just blown away that you you have that view of this movie, and like honestly. Dude, that sounds like a more crack. interesting movie, but like, that's not this movie. Yes. Okay. All right. No, no. I I, I, I right. want to hear more of let's, of your your read. Talk. Let me relax. Your, okay. your attitude just doesn't make it super easy to talk. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I think that I, I I don't do not at all think that this film posits that Neil Armstrong is the only one that could have got them to the moon. If anything, I, I think that so much of this movie is even watching other people who who it's almost like a lottery of who's going to go next. Like like you know you think about the how we're introduced to uh, you know Jason Clark's character or. Um, Che Wiggum, or or I'm sorry, or Patrick Fugit's character. Like these are all people who could have been also the first people to the moon. And I don't think at all or, that or fucking Buzz Aldrin. Yes, <laughs> like, like that I, dude. I love, that dude love is totally on the sidelines. What, what an asshole! And just like he is, <laughs> and and he's fucking charismatic. Like why wouldn't you make that film about him? Like sure. Jesus, he could hold the screen, and they Wait, fucking sent they fucking I, sent Neil Armstrong to the White House to like interact with senators is like fuck no you send buzz aldrin wait wait you see how he takes (laughs) over that press conference when when they're uh about to do the apollo mission and he's just like cracking jokes and like and then they ask you know poor neil armstrong and he's just like i hope this mission is a success and you're just like jesus christ man (laughs) but wait i think that I think that you've actually made a point for why Buzz Aldrin couldn't be the person who does it because like nobody likes Buzz because Buzz has a personality and Buzz, as he says, like twice in the movie is just saying what everyone's thinking. And, you know, Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong literally says, maybe you shouldn't like he's, I feel like 
he's too much of a live wire. Like he's too much of a, a guy. And so like you need clean cut all American Neil Armstrong to come up and like make people feel comfortable that like this is in the hands of professionals. No, but I don't think that he is a representation that it's in the hand of professionals. I think he is. It It, it is very clearly about Neil and who knows how actually blank he was or anything like that. But I think making Gosling like that is a very intentional way to make this about something larger and to make it about an everyman, not an everyman who you want to have a beer with, but literally every man in terms of him uh, just being another person. And yes, that does mean that he is smart and he knows what he's doing, but I do not think that this film posits him as some type of savior who only knows how to do this. I mean, even you consider early, relatively early in the film, he's on a kind of training flight and um, it, it seems like, you know, disaster is going to happen. And just out of out of sheer luck, when he hits something, it finally starts working. And I think even that scene is great because it doesn't have that, um, you know, heroic halo around it. Like it, it is very much like a scene that is completely out of control and just, you know, just it was that moment in time that it just worked. Um, and I think that that scene where then he's worried that he's completely out, he's worried that the, sorry, the consequences of that mission will lead to him no longer being chosen for future missions. Um, I, 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 and then you think about how much time again is spent on all of these other missions that he's not a part of at all. Like, I think by the time that he does end up on the final, you know, Apollo that goes to the moon and they do give him triumphant moments, that's like it's two hours and 10 minutes into the movie. And that's the first time where I, I felt that his capability was something that was like being really, uh, sorry, emphasized. I, again, like, I don't think he's not an idiot. He's not like, he's not a, a clown when he's in these other training missions, but I don't think that he is represented as someone who knows what to do in all situations. Um, I think there's a lucky streak for sure that, that kind of follows him sure. around. Um, there's a lot of disaster that happens around him where yeah. there's a lot of missions that just go wrong and nobody can really, pin down and explain yeah. why the hell things went wrong. Right. And it's just so complicated that it's like, well, some, you know, really it's crazy that more didn't go wrong. Sure. But Buzz and Aldrin th thinks he knows in at least a few cases. Sure. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely God, an asshole. Gotta love Buzz. Um, the funeral. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, At his funeral. Yeah. Bad, bad fucking timing. Well, it sounds like he was just too slow to make the runway. It's like everyone turns and looks uh, at me like, what? I mean, like, you know, it's gotta be that, right? You know, it's not uh, even his fault. It just sucks. You know, he, it, it's, it's interesting though. And I, I agree with Mike in a lot of ways that I feel like 
almost all of these astronauts are interchangeable. Any one of these guys could have been the first on the moon. Any one of them could have replaced Buzz Aldrin. Any one of them could have been the other character. Um, sorry, I don't know your name. The other um, character? <laughs> yeah. What, which other? The guy who was piloting the... the yeah. Christopher Abbott? <laughs> Mike Collins? Mike Collins, yeah. Sorry. The, the third guy on the Apollo 11 mission. Yeah. Yeah, um, Mike Collins. Lucas Haas. <laughs> Lucas Haas playing Mike Collins. <laughs> yes, yes, Mike Collins. Him. Um, I feel like any one of these characters could have been interchangeable. Um, and Or in history, I mean, not, not in the film. And so I felt like there's almost drama to – Neil even getting onto the Apollo mission, you know, and so there is that, okay, we're going to go with him, but he is this guy that manages to get out of these crazy situations, but also, you know, they posit early on that he's also one that puts them in these kind of crazy positions and, mm. and circumstances that they can't figure out. And uh, all they can kind of chalk it up to is him being a loose cannon in some ways. Now they really don't posit like what he actually fucking does to get that reputation. More than likely it's something that's been building beforehand that he's just got a reputation of that. And it's just kind of staying with him and all this crazy shit just keeps happening and he's managing to like pull it out of a tailspin. But they're like, Buzz, or uh, sorry, they're like, Neil, why, why do you keep going into a tailspin? Like, wh why the fuck doesn't this happen with our other pilots? Like, sure. why does it keep happening with you? And he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's just yeah. like, okay. And so this film doesn't do a, a, a very good job of like explaining that away. And so it almost posits him as a character that's just, I don't know, just, just lucky circumstances just happen to sure. be the fact that, that he won in like the, 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 the mission that blew up. Like why, why wasn't he there? I don't know. A dice roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, the fuck but was he? my my problem with that is that's the entirety of life, and I think that this movie it obviously is not discounting that kind of luck on something that's this dangerous, but it also goes out of its way to show him fixing a number of situations that could lead to death or disaster, on top of just happening not to be there when other ones occur. And that it is impossible to look at this movie and not say that he had an active hand in the agency of his own future. Like, like you, you know, you talk about him like being rewarded and how it's like not really until he's given command and like steps out on the moon. He was given the command of Gemini 8 and he was like, oh, well, what about Elliot? And they're like, oh, don't worry about Elliot. Elliot's got a good hand on his shoulders. We need him down here, but you're a pilot. Like, we need you up there. And then what happens? Some bad shit happens on Gemini 8. They make a decision. He doesn't pass out when the other guy does. He saves them from a revolution that's over one spin per second and is then brought back down. And everyone's asking all these questions. And they're trying to turn into a human experience. But to him, it was just a problem that had to be solved. And he did it. And they literally say, like, come into the office. You don't even have to sit down. This is going to be quick. You're fine. You did it. 
because of you, you two are still alive. You couldn't have handled it any better. Like it, it's it's and the first scene is similar. He skips off the atmosphere and yes, like he hits a button and it works, but he knows the buttons to hit. He knows what to do and he lands safely like his and and when he's in that rotoscopy thing that I can't remember the, the, the name of he passes out. And sees his daughter, and then they stop it, and they're like, "All right, next guy." And he's like, "No, no, no, I'll do it again." Like, sure, that's that is that that is him doing it and making it happen and proving himself. And those are just the scenes that I can remember of him doing that. Like, but- the movie, to my eyes, is clearly saying there is something about him that is both luck because he he survived in like the unsurvivable moments like you know if he had been in uh the 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 unplugged test for the i think it was apollo 8 you know he would have died like there's no escaping that like he wouldn't have been able to do something but like also the other moments that might have killed a lesser man didn't kill him okay but the film doesn't necessarily say that he did anything extraordinary or he did anything in particular. Literally, his co-pilot any- passed out and he didn't. Okay. That one co-pilot that we never really see before or after, right? So w- basically, this guy passed out. He was useless on the mission when it f- when it hit its breaking point. And so now he's basically kicked off the mission you know, team. So we don't really see him. We don't see Jason Clark's character. We don't even see the rotoscope, what they actually do with it. We don't see that, that he's a success on that thing by going back again. All we know is that he's throwing up in a toilet and then there comes Jason Clark. Yeah. I guess we can assume that they all passed, but I can't assume anything because I don't see it. I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck happens there. So to add on to what Bill is saying there, I, I think this movie systematically shows people who you think they they know what they're doing and then shows that it's as much up to fate. It's as much up to how much knowledge you have in the world and whether that's enough to compensate for what you don't know. And that's what is continually uh, – Sorry, is continually reflected in the film for me, more so than this idea that Neil is extraordinary in those situations. I, I think that, yes, there are people who are shown to be lesser pilots, people who are shown to be lesser and therefore not, you know, uh, an agent in history. But I also think that this movie seems to say that. You know, something like someone like Jason Clark is shown to be someone who is very, very efficient. He seems to know what he's doing. And while we don't spend as much time with him, I would say that as much time, sorry, as much screen time as he gets, he seems to do all of the right things as well. I could say similar things about Pablo Schreiber's character or Corey Stoll's character or, uh, or uh, Che Wiggum's character. Like, I, I think that, uh, I think that trying to point out Ryan Gosling, Gosling's character as exemplary is fair given the amount of screen time, but also not as strong an argument as you're potentially saying. The fact that the movie is about him 
the fact that the movie begins with him and stays with him and digs into his weird emotional backstory to my mind can only be chalked up to the fact that the movie is trying to say that it had to be him. Not, not that like, like, uh, you know, with fate or the hand of God or whatever, like it, it didn't have to be him, but it only could have been him is what the movie seems to be saying. Like there is a chosen, you know, worked for it quality to the way the movie views Neil Armstrong that I just, to my mind, cannot be denied. And and yes, like clearly the movie is making a point about the slapdash kind of like insane nature of the space program. But again, I don't think that the movie views it cynically. I don't think that it, I think it looks at it like almost heroically. I think that the movie I don't. goes out of its way to like show the the sacrifice and and to like give an insight into these people and then contrasts it against the people who are trying to politicize the deaths of these astronauts and who are trying to say that it's a waste of money the movie is making an argument that these people did something extraordinary and undreamt of in a, in a practical, logical way, you know, aside from like Jules Verne and a giant cannon, you know, it's, it's giving the due and proper to these people who made this happen. In what way is it justifying their sacrifice? If anything, I think that they don't, they leave that unresolved. Like it, it, it is in that news conference and, um, uh, if you're talking about the contrast, are you talking about Gil Scott Heron singing Whitey on the Moon and that short montage? I, what, uh, there's the short montage to? and the, there's just like all the other signs and stuff that you see around. There's the woman asking at the press conference. But like, you know, they, they literally have a scene where they ask Neil Armstrong, like, what what do you see as the benefit of the space program? And he gives, you know, one of his longest moments of dialogue in the entire film to explaining, like, the point and the value. And I think that the the movie then, in that scene where they do it, goes out of its way. And then reinforces that idea with the one possibly spoilery symbolic moment that I think we're meant to see as being the payoff to the thing that he'd said previously about how perspective will help you to get away from or let go of the things that bog us down on earth. Like that sure, but to my mind wanted, is the movie doing what I, what I claim that it's trying to do. Yeah. But if, even if you go back to the job interview where he is asked about space exploration, I, I wrote down, I, I'm paraphrasing here. But he says something. He says something like, "I don't know what space exploration will uncover, but I think it will help us see things we should have known a while ago." Mm-hmm. Even that, though, I think is something that is not uh, heroic. Like it's it's achingly pragmatic, and it is not it, it's not lionizing the future events or or even. You know, even the, the scene you already spoke about where it's like we need to fail on Earth so it doesn't happen up there. I didn't see that 
that moment that we're tiptoeing around as a uh, sorry as a, a as a re- resolution to that or, or a um, response to that. I, I think that. Shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, no, I, I again though. I I just I I don't think that that's as clearly heroic as you're saying. I I'm not saying that this is. I want to be clear. I don't think that this is uh, it, it, cynical. Maybe was the wrong word. Maybe I should have gone with fiercely pragmatic. <laughs> I, but I. But I almost almost Armstrong like (laughs) (laughs) Armstrongian. Yeah, it 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 does it does take a lot of this and and put it at an arm's length distance. Um, like we're not really. I I just can't feel for any of these characters, and I'm not sure because Chazelle wasn't given screenwriting credit for this. And, you know, you can always kind of split hairs with like, you know, whether a director is ultimately in charge of like how these characters end up being portrayed on screen versus like, you know, what they say and stuff like that. Um, But it is interesting that a lot of people specifically La La Land. And then this one have basically said that he, he is incapable of giving us characters to feel about, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure if that's this film, if that's his bag that he's like adding on top of that, or if that's the singer, or if that's just these characters in the way that he, uh, the way that this film was always kind of meant to portray these characters. Um, I think there is an arm's distance that that he's giving to this film and i think that no like we're not supposed to feel bright and fun and and loving towards the nasa program which or even patriotic and and i understand where you're coming from brian because that sucks right it's like I I really love the space program and I really believe in what it does. And this film is like, eh, like maybe let's not go down that path because you know ultimately there are a lot of other films that celebrate that and do that. And I don't think that's Chazelle's intention here. I think I think he's more saying these motherfuckers are crazy. They did some crazy ass shit. They had the government basically breathing down their necks and they they pursued a an idea. And how did they do that? By basically trying to one up the Russians. And it's just like, that's fucking insane. So you're just going to put people on the line for that. And and they fucking did it. <laughs> I mean, know? it's better than going um, to war. If you yeah, want to talk sure. about putting people on the <laughs> line. True. Sure. I mean, you know, but but it is it is this batshit crazy. It's not celebrating the history of it as much as it's just saying these people were just working at breakneck speed and pace. 
you know, when not to bring up hidden figures, but I mean, it it deserves to get mentioned in this film because there is the one shot I think of the uh, African American computers waving to Armstrong as he's about to get onto the Apollo mission. Um, <laughs> uh, too bad they don't they don't do much else besides that. Um, but that film is all about like the minor calculations and like hey let's fix it down here there's no danger let's just fix it down here let's fix it down here it's a rubik's cube and then once we figure it out boom we're off to space right and this film is very much no like there were a lot of people lost in that process that maybe didn't have to be lost but we were in such a rush to do it that people died because we weren't careful enough or we just we just didn't know how careful we needed to be and i think that's what this film is ultimately trying to do more than it's trying to be a biopic about about armstrong because it it doesn't give us much of armstrong like you posit yourself we don't learn that much about armstrong besides but we spend so much time with him that i know doesn't it just become frustrating to you that we don't like in the end no, understand him at all like no because i think the ultimate purpose of this film is again to posit that we are fucking maniacs and if we put our mind to it as americans sometimes we will sacrifice people to get there but by god sometimes we get there and but that's i think that's not like a purely american thing like the russians you sure. can't even find out how many people they lost. like the, any human endeavor beyond your front door puts your life and your soul at hazard. Like, so it feels weird to me to try to look at this and say that it's some kind of like statement on, I don't know, not being careful enough or like being too headstrong. Like, like people died crossing the oceans. People die crossing rivers. Like, so what is, so, so what, I don't know. I just, yeah, but we didn't have scientists trying to figure out the trajectory of people crossing rivers and doing things like that. We didn't have an entire government organization and program trying to help people cross that river, right? We just fucking sent people across the river and said, oh shit, it's it's deep over there. Okay, well, now we know it's deep over there. Hey, let's run a, a rope or something. Let's create a bridge or, you know, do shit like that. Um, it, like this is not a guy in his backyard trying to get to the moon. This is a entire government organization, NASA, right? right trying to do that. So, mm-hmm. so you trying to equate it to that is it, that's that's a well, little I bit guess of a my point in bringing that up is like how many how many people like died on the Oregon Trail just crossing rivers, and how many people died in the space program? And you look at those two things and their relative difficulty, and like. I don't know if this is even about the movie anymore or if I'm just defending the, sp- the history of the space program. <laughs> a lot more people should have died. <laughs> I, I, I feel Brian, like we should I'm, have lost I'm, a lot of people to space travel. I'm I'm not saying that it's not a miracle that more people didn't die. I'm not saying that that to basically try and trash NASA. I'm saying, holy shit, 
that is still amazing that we didn't kill more people, but it was also the breakneck speed that we put ourselves under that pressure, both governmentally and just spiritually in a lot of ways, yeah. right? We were we were challenging Russia to basically beat them to the moon. You can see that in Jason Isaac's character when he realizes that they did the first Eva mission and he's pissed about it, right? That is not because he he just wants to get to the moon. No, he understands that in order for them to get to the moon, they also have to beat Russia because yeah. otherwise the government funding is going to dry up behind them. And so they understand that the race is to get to the moon first, which also puts them in an extreme amount of danger because they're just going to push it. And that's what Buzz Aldrin mentions when he's looking at the Apollo uh, launch craft. He's like – this thing should not be here right now. This is fucking crazy. We're about to get on top of that thing. But guess what? It might be a success. And it's just like, wow. And I think that's what that what this film is ultimately trying to do is is it's trying to kind of take a little bit of an alternate look at at the history of like what we were doing and mm. just say like I said, these motherfuckers are crazy. Like you know, it's it's wild that this was a success and and, you know, beautiful day that it was right. Um, we've we've garnered so much from space exploration and learned so much. But at the end of the day, is it crazy? Yeah, <laughs> you fucking betcha. And and this film does a very good job of like positing that because like I said, I think there's so many other films that yeah. basically say this is just a math equation away of being completely safe and ordinary and like and like nah, no big deal, right? Sure. Like hidden figures, I don't think you ever really see anyone actually die in that film. We never learn anybody dying. All we know is that they have a very difficult job to try and figure out how to re-enter the atmosphere, right? And I think at one point we see is it is it Neil Armstrong or is it Buzz? It's it's one of those named astronauts that the, like, all, what is it? One of those named astronauts. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's before they gave them names, they gave them numbers, and um, <laughs> but that became bad PR. So they decided to start naming the astronauts after a while. No, I do. Okay, wait, but just just for the history buffs out there, uh, John Glenn was the guy in Hidden Figures. Oh. Oh. So. Played I, by Glenn Powell, and and so John Glenn was. What what fucking significance does he have? He's he the first the man first in space. America, no, America. oh my God, Yuri Gagarin is the first human in space. Okay, John okay, Glenn okay. is the first American in space. American, sorry, like like you know, it, it, this is. I I'm I'm telling you now. And and I don't mean to be flippant about it. Like these people did incredible things and they put their life on the line to do that. But um, this is probably going to be the average person's knowledge of like history is they're going to think Glenn, Glenn, what did he do again? You know, like, eh, sorry, you know, it's. I'm not going to space anytime soon. <laughs> so, well, what's you know. funny is that like you say that bill and like, I should be appalled, but like, I guarantee if I went out and just started asking people who was vice president under 
Bush if I'm feeling cheeky, Obama if I want to kill myself. Most people wouldn't be able to tell me who the sure. vice president was. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's one of our most, you know, politically powerful positions in office. And right. And Cheney's it, got a goddamn movie coming out. Sure. And people still won't realize and remember. Sure. Yeah. And 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 that's the sad just, part. Did Mike, history, Mike but, did you just yeah. like groan in terror? <laughs> I, just, I just sighed. <laughs> Okay, so, so Mike, Mike, what, what were you gonna say? No, I, I, I think that um, you're getting it at something a little bit more macro that that might have been the better way to say this is this is an almost alternate vantage point of like the history of NASA. Like, you know, I was, I was previously talking about, you know, things like Apollo 13 and things like the right stuff and other movies I'm thinking of, I can't think of at the moment that, you know, have celebrated us space travel and NASA's capabilities and things along those lines. And this is very much like a, a very different vantage point and you know like this is certainly some some projection on my part but you know i think that ryan gosling's character i i found the general way that it was trying to show like the barest details of the conflict of what it means to be an astronaut and him like not dealing with his family <laughs> in trying to do that as well as when he's at work and seems to be so overworked and also terrified about to be both like to have almost this mania like and you see that in that certain scene where right after he's trying to land a, a lunar pod um on on the ground like in the desert or something uh and he he comes home with a a wound on his head uh, and walks into (laughs) the house says hello to his wife gets a a glass of either iced tea or whiskey or or both iced tea it's iced tea (laughs) is it iced tea okay i don't think you keep whiskey Uh, in a pitcher in the fridge no he he pours half like (laughs) he pours a full-on fucking glass of it and then chugs like half of it and is like yeah I forgot something at work. (laughs) You're just like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? But like, that's what I, that's what I'm saying is like, I'm not going to argue that they did a good enough job with his characterization, but in a weird way, that very sparse characterization works for me in showing just the strange mania that this astronaut would have in trying to balance, trying to get to the moon and a home life and and barely making time for your children because you're worried for instance how the media is portraying your everyday life like just the the total inability to balance those things was something that again worked on far more of a metaphorical level than uh in the individual details which is partly why the the scene that you've alluded to Brian is such a fucking shit show um but again like that scene doesn't doesn't that scene prove my point like doesn't that scene prove that the movie is about what i'm saying it's about like okay i feel like i I brought up the whole ready player one scenario previously and it, it like it honestly does feel like you're like choosing to look at certain parts and then just like hating the other parts that don't support your read 
Okay, just to be clear, what are what are the parts I'm hating other than the final scene? You well, you said you didn't like the final scene. You just called it a shit show, and then you've like you yeah. you've constantly talked down about like not just her accent, but like Claire Foy's part in this movie, and you said like the think- stuff at home drags in a way that everything else doesn't. I I think it it doesn't necessarily drag, but I don't think again. I think this film is at its strongest when it's at its most emotionally obtuse um, when characters are not clear about how they're feeling. Uh, um, And I think that goes along with Gosling's performance. I think that goes along with the space travel, which is just like abstracting that grief into like pure sensation. And um, yeah, I don't Brian, I'm not saying it's a perfect film at all, but I, I don't agree that me saying I don't like the home front stuff as much is picking and choosing an interpretation of this film. Okay. Um, I don't yeah, know. I think we might uh, come to a hit on this one. I mean, I mean, honestly, we don't even have to talk about that final sh- scene because uh i think we've all unanimously made clear that like it doesn't work and it's a bunch of bullshit and it just but my thing is i guess what's weird for me is that to me it doesn't work as the film trying to pay off what it's been doing the whole time and for you guys or at least michael it doesn't work because it doesn't support the film that you believe you've been watching and you know that's not a fair assessments like but you you called it a shit show i called that scene a shit show yes, but the scene is shit show. You, wait but that does not give you the right to say that you don't like it because it doesn't support the film you think well, did you've you, been watching did you also just the hate it because it's like a bad say. film or a bad filmmaking choice yeah I okay then good yeah filmmaking. then that's fine too <laughs> no i think okay, it's oh, jesus i thought that was clear no yeah, i, I think no it really seemed like it, the way that Michael talked about it previously was after talking about the reasons that he liked the film and then said, and that's the reason that the last scene is kind of a shit show. So I wasn't sure if it was both or one or not the other. I think it's a bad filmmaking decision in the same way. Uh, sorry, let me look in my notes because I want to get that exactly right. There is a part. Oh, the the boys scene. Uh, you're a bunch of of boys playing with models i, I think that's models terrible, making models out of balsa wood. wood yeah yeah that's a terrible scene because i think that makes literal what the entire movie is about centerpiece um, of the trailer yeah no I, but it's it's that scene as well i think is a really bad filmmaking choice and there there may be one or two others that i'm forgetting but like those i put very much in the same category the I, final scene and the the claire foy again making the subtext literal well, yeah, I mean, like Claire Foy, unfortunately, you know, when she's allowed to do more in this movie, it's just be a yelling wife, yeah. you know, so she yeah. yells at um, it's, Deke it's Slayton. It's the Skylar White kind of situation. But it's, it's like Skylar White had levels like Skylar White. You know, I don't know. Spoilers sure. for Breaking Bad. Skylar White like <laughs> fucked Ted and like, you know, that's literally the title of an episode. Oh, and like, it's true. Yeah. yeah, she had some like other like things that she did and then became like an active participant and like. This movie, I really like Skylar. <laughs> you didn't like Skylar? No, I really like Skylar. Oh yeah, I like Skylar a lot. Yeah, it's the it's not. the problem of like I want to continue to no. see Walter White break bad, and she wants him to not break bad. 
And so like, sure. you know, the title of the show is Breaking Bad. So anyone who's standing against him <laughs> breaking bad is not a good character in my eyes because the show doesn't exist if he doesn't break bad. Um, sure. So like existence antithesis of the right. show. So I understand it in the same way that like if I'm watching a movie with like John McClane, I don't like whatever Gruber sibling he's killing. But at the same time, like it became a very awful gendered thing for Skylar White. Yes. Uh, sure. In some corners of the internet, some terrible corners of the internet that still exist and are probably more than just corners. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, but yeah, Claire Foy in this movie when she's not, you know, just like being there so that we can see a different wife be upset, you know, and, and sad, you know, basically only gets to like flex her muscles as an actor when, you know, they're like, okay, this is the part where you scream at him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she gets, is this movie rated PG 13? I don't know. Uh, this movie I was is thinking, I was thinking PG 13. Yeah. She gets Holy the one shit. fuck. Mm. She gets the movies. Fuck. What did she say? She says, like, stop fucking packing or something. <laughs> oh. It's it's during the scene where he's packing. I don't know. God. What a what a fucking sequence. Ugh. Uh, yeah. You mean that in a bad way, right? Yeah, I mean that in all the ways. Like, if that's if that's an actual historical fact, Jesus Christ. But uh, also, that sequence is just fucking maddening. Like, ugh. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I liked. I, I don't know. I don't know whether to be his, I like that uh, one. mad at history or to be mad at this film for giving it to. Me. I'm <laughs> I not sure the, which one I'm mad at. I like the idea of that scene, but I felt that its its uh, execution was poor. I didn't. I like you know. And again, it goes down to like some aesthetic choices, like the camera work. And I did. I did I like that, the fact that. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I thought that Foy's acting wasn't great, and like. I don't. I think that Gosling, to that point, hadn't been given like a consistent character to play, so I didn't know who was going to show up at the dinner table. You know, I, like I thought it was going to show up. <laughs> Look who's coming! To Is dinner. it going to be like oh. Terrence Malick frolicking dad? Is it going to be sad dad? Is it going to be bad dad? Is it going to be bad dad? Like mid middling kind of non responsive dad. <laughs> Uh, all all the shades, the, the oh. fifty shades of uh, Gosling over there, of Gosling dad. Um, it's I thought that the way they shot the dinner table was really interesting. Except it was on for the, the tripod, wasn't it? Well, I mean, the way that they framed it was interesting because it made it seem like he kept looking straight at the camera, right? And I couldn't tell because typically if you look at, uh, I don't know, a typical uh, – what do they call it? The atomic family? The, the Nuclear. nuclear, nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> the atomic family was a discontinued 1950s era Marvel comic. <laughs> I want to put a fallout now. <laughs> um, the, the nuclear family, um, if you look at that, typically the, the kids are at, at the sides of the table, right? And the two parents are at the heads, right? So the parents are facing each other and the kids are at the sides. But the way they filmed that sequence at the dinner table, he keeps looking straight ahead. And it's almost as if he's looking at one of the children because he keeps looking, answering towards that, right? But it also makes me think that, well, obviously that's Claire Forrest's vantage point, isn't it? But he keeps looking at her like, 
really, are we fucking doing this still? Like, am I still, and he even answers some of those questions like he does during the press conference. Like at one point he says, are there any more questions? And you're just like, what the fuck is going on in this sequence? I don't understand the, the setup of it. I don't understand like is he literally like is that making the context text like or you know the the figurative literal like like yeah he feels like he's at that press conference where he's just being asked questions by his fucking children like i uh uh and like any of that sequence but i did yeah. <laughs> at the same time <laughs> uh i don't know what the fuck's going on there yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, again, it, it's just weird because, like, he's never really treated his children like that before. And I guess just, like, the the way that time jumps in this movie, it's hard to know, like, if this is a thing that's been built up to or if this is, like, him snapping. And so, like, I, well, again, in isolation, I find that scene to be rather chilling, just the way he's kind of, like, adapted a better public persona for them than he did for the public. Mm-hmm. But, like, as a part of the whole... So, like, as much as I didn't like this movie, it's still less than the sum of its parts, and even the parts weren't particularly great. I don't know. It's hard for me to to explicate it clearly, I feel. I don't know. I I think this is going to be a dividing film for a lot of people, which, uh, I mean... Well, it's, it's tough on one level. It's not really like a crowd pleaser, and I don't think it's meant to be. Um, it's tough on one level because you have Gosling playing Neil Armstrong so reserved. And even when he's on the moon, you know, he's got his visor down for pretty much the entire time, except that one scene that none of us liked. And, you know, it, it so it's hard to find an in. And like, you know, like Michael said, it's it's not rah-rah patriotic i think that it's a jump to call it cynical or even pragmatic but like i can see how you would see that in a way um especially now that you've kind of said that like cynical isn't quite the word you were going for like so you know people are are probably not going to respond to it well or they're going to love it for reasons that i can't fathom i don't know i thought everyone would see la la land and hate it but like yeah, and won Academy Awards. Uh, Brad, I love you, but fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't love it. Like I'm saying, like I want to meet the person. Uh, he 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 did say he loved this. He film. said it was a B. I know, but I did say I loved it. <laughs> but then you talked I yourself down to a B. I want to I want to see Michael. I want to see the person who comes out of this movie and says like rave reviews A plus like best film of the year you know like look at the trades <laughs> i know i want to see like i want to sit down with those people and see what they thought because like you have dynamic thoughts on like what worked and what didn't and you have a read on it but like i want to see the person who 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 do you see is coming out of this movie being enthusiastically in love with it and what do, do you, you think really funny mm-hmm. richard brody thought it was right-wing claptrap and armin white thought it was too left-wing <laughs> Well, yeah, because and that's that's the type of nonsense. I just, I don't know. People are weird. I mean, like that's kind of what this movie feels like, though. Is it's one of those movies that is so atheistic or agnostic? You know, if you want to be, you should love it. Then why, why should that's I love so, it? That's, that's very well. That's not really 
Malikian because there is a constantly a religious. Right. Mal- no, <laughs> I, I'm not even talking about like in the actual existence of God. I'm saying this movie has done everything it can to scrub greater elements out of it. So like it doesn't really go into like the patriotism behind the space program. It doesn't go into like the cold war. It doesn't go in. It does. It, it barely even goes into like the joy of scientific discovery. You know, it really does strip it down to these are these men who did this thing and not really spending enough time with them to get to know them. So it can't even be seen as like a character study. So like the movie functions on a basic level to me as a very mechanical recitation of certain facts that then strings in a few aspects of a particular person's personality to try to give it an emotional through line that it can pay off. But it doesn't like to, you know, it gives you hints here and there of like the politics and stuff, but like, yeah, it is in my mind, a very stripped down, uh, you know, tinsel free, that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have a lot extra, you know? It's, so it's weird to me that it, it is exactly the kind of movie that people will read into it. You know, either it's not America enough or it's too America. Like, you know, someone will say, like, mm. just the basic facts of showing us going to the moon will make it seem like it's an American, American exceptionalism thing. Even though we did that and it is historical fact. And then other people will say, oh, they didn't show him putting the flag down or like, oh, they didn't show that like this could only have happened in America. And so it's a liberal grease trap or something. And it's like because the movie <laughs> tried so hard to not take a stand, it, it is now capable of taking any stand that you would like it to. Sure. And and this is this is always been the issue when – art doesn't directly express itself in that way is that people can then take it and, and mold it and it becomes malleable, right. in it's intentions and things like that. And this, this is, you know, that, that classic trap of like artist intent versus like what you actually read out of it or, or things like that. Like, you know, it's, it's all those, what are they vice headlines or Vox headlines or whatever the fuck of like, is this movie secretly racist? And you're just like, ah, Jesus. Okay. Um, maybe I want (laughs) to read this or maybe I don't want to read this. You know, it's like, did he intend it to be, he or she intend it to be racist? I don't know, but let's go find out and let's go see like what this one instance may like prove out to be. But no, I think, I think this film is going to divide a lot of people. I don't think there's a lot to, to showcase as like acting 101 here, um, unless you're trying yeah. to play like a dead character <laughs> or uh, dead. You mean emotionally in, like, dead inside? Yes, yes, dead inside. <laughs> Not character. like a character whose actual physical person they're based <laughs> yeah. on is dead. Yeah, I don't think we see anybody actually die in this film. What are you uh, talking about? not their face not their bodies like not the aftermath All okay so you don't you <laughs> yeah i'm i'm saying literally a dead person i was about to be like what the fuck <laughs> we might have to stop because bill might not have actually been watching the right movie <laughs> there are plenty of people that die in this movie um no but yeah 
anyways, uh, nobody plays the actual dead character in this film. Uh, that's a weird thing to say. Uh, yeah, no one plays a body. Yes. A corpse, a cadaver. Guys, uh, we talked for almost two hours about a Damien Chazelle movie again. <laughs> no, we didn't. It's only been an, an hour, hour and 38 minutes. <laughs> I have 45. <laughs> well, we talked before I started the recorder. Uh, okay. All right, which is right. why the people at home won't know how much I am not looking forward to the next Halloween movie. <laughs> oh, speaking, this is a good segue God, into yeah. the end. Um, there was a terrible article, Bill, that was written in the same vein of what you were talking about with like dumb Vox headlines. And it was like how Halloween made us all misunderstand mental illness. Yeah. A little, yeah, I saw that. I saw Scout Tafoya, a previous guest on the show, make fun of that. And um, I haven't read it. I don't know where it is. And I, if I did, I wouldn't tell anyone because I don't think that that needs to be read. But, um, it's a great outlet, so I don't want to say it out loud. And they usually publish good things. So is it the film is stage? An outlier. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, Brian. Owned. Uh, <laughs> it would be funny if you were like, it's a great outlet. Brian, you're fucking shitting on the film stage. Um, delete. Yeah. Delete. At least I didn't say, well, then I definitely know it's not from X just insult um, everyone anyway so this is indeed another damien chazelle movie <laughs> i am curious to see how much money it will make i'm curious it, to see apparently it didn't do that well yeah i, I mean can't see. it didn't it's not, like i said it like it doesn't you know it's one of those things like i think that Do it we got know the, the budget i don't know like how much how much money does this film have to make like is it a 60 million dollar movie here's my thing <laughs> it's it's um you know, you, you have this movie and it is made uh, apparently $16.5 million this weekend on a production budget of almost $60 million. 60. So wow, it, it, might be, it might be fine if it has legs. But um, this is one of those movies that I feel like an adult will see four weeks after it's been released because they'll go to sure. the movies and be like, oh, first man, I wanted to see that. I love how I'm 31 years old and I still talk about adults like they're some mythical creature that I'll become one day. Um, what was I going to say? Hey, Brian, that's uh, how we all feel. Don't this, um, <laughs> you're right, Bill. This movie is a hard sell because it looks it looks like loud and it looks intense and it, it seems like the people who were alive for this are not going to want to remember it through this medium and people looking for a good time at the movies won't say oh first man looked good so like yeah i just it doesn't surprise me if this doesn't do well monetarily and then i'll just i'm just going to be curious to see how it does around award season i'll be curious yeah so that's our review of first man uh hopefully this has been a good episode um <laughs> Usually when we have a, a lot of disagreements, it's a, it's a pretty good time. It either has to be that we one of us loved it and one of us hated it, or that we all hated it. Mm -hmm. um, I re-listened to our Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode, and that was a delight. That really brightened <laughs> my day, especially when we got to spoilers and Bill said his immortal words. Can I ask a question? <laughs> The best part of any spoiler section is when, Bill, you just, like, immediately have questions. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to Bill, it's not like that movie, you know, rigorously made sense. Oh, no. I am I am not joking. I am 100% serious. Like, there are numerous times where Bill asks a question, 
And I say, oh, Bill, I'm so happy you asked that. I was paying attention. I have the insane answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert for Fallen Kingdom. No one is still talking enough about the fact that there's a cloned human in that movie. Yeah, that's fucking bananas. Dumb shit. All right, we're done. Trevorrow. I watched Book of Henry a few weeks and a few weekends ago. (laughs) Uh, Good on you, I guess. Yeah, you you have too much time. And none of us, none of us have enough. It's time. a bad decision. Um, so that's it for today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a complete and utter joy. Uh, remember to go to uh, movie.com/slash/filmstage for your free 30-day trial of movie. It's the month of October. They're going to have some great stuff coming along for you to check out, and we don't want you to miss it. So you can get a free 30-day trial by going to mubi.com/slash/filmstage. In addition, uh, you can become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. Remember to give us a review and a rating on iTunes. And um, yeah, that is it. So let's a classic. Let's let's plug some of our uh, upcoming stuff. Uh, We are doing a classic review. Of Suspiria. Yeah, I'm saying this and hopefully like this is going to force us to actually do it. Yeah, uh, hopefully God doesn't strike me down right now. Um, we're going to <laughs> be doing Suspiria as a classic review ahead of, uh, you know, that other movie that's coming out. Uh, so that should be fun. And then hopefully we're maybe going to do Bad Times to El Royale. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I saw it. I, I, yeah, I'd love I to talk too. about it. I would love to talk about that fucking movie. <laughs> So oh let's, boy. <laughs> we can hope among uh, hope beyond hope that we will be able to talk about bad times with El Royale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's tell the fine people where we can be found between now and the next time. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me not getting on any Apollo missions anytime soon uh, at cable BFG on Twitter. And then also uh, try to keep up with the Slack channel as well. All right, Michael Snydell. You can find me on Twitter uh, at, at @snydell, where I have been uh, tweeting a little bit about my experiences at the Chicago International Film Festival. Um, I teased previously that I was maybe going to do a podcast or two. Uh, I can report that uh, me and the great Max O'Connell are actually going to record a podcast uh, together tomorrow, and then I'll get it, and hopefully it will be available for you guys uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and talk about another number of festival favorites, uh, Rafiki, Transits, Ashes Pure, White's, a uh, number of other things. Awesome. And you can find me at my personal site, DearFilm.net. Find my Wait, writings. Didn't, it, didn't that change? Oh, it's it's DearFilm.net still leads to the new one. Oh, okay. Brian J. Rowan <laughs> also reads to the new one. BrianJRowan.com will also lead you there. They are now the same. I linked two URLs to the same site. So check that out. Um, maybe I'll write up something about El Royale there. And if we don't get a chance to talk about it on this podcast, though I hope we do. We will. We will. Okay, great. Um, other stuff. Uh, yeah, Twitter, at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, really, if you just search for Brian J. Rowan on anything, you can find me. And that is that. Um, also, don't forget to go to thefilmstage.com to find all of our writings and every other episode that we've ever recorded of this show. Check it out. Uh, So that's it for now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much and tune in next time.
It occurs to me that if ever there was a podcast where I should have like really leaned into the concept of me being a flat earther, this this would have been the one to do it. It would have been. <laughs> Isn't this the best fantasy movie ever?